Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today we study one of the most painful and most difficult chapters in all of Tanakh. Um, this is chapter 11 of book 2 of Samuel, or Shmuel Bet, Perak Yud Aleph. <coughs> in this chapter, by now we are all very familiar with uh, King David, with David HaMelech, and his rise to power, his rise uh, from being just a simple shepherd to eventually becoming <coughs> the um, king of Israel, the king of the United Nation of Israel, and uh, to the level where he's been promised that he and his children and descendants would be the, the monarchy that would rule this new nation of God into the future. <coughs> and... <coughs> On a military level, he's reached the apex of his power and peace. The, the neighbors that were the potential enemies have been um, subdued. And uh, everything is going well. And everything, with a few maybe small exceptions where we got a hint of, uh, such as uh, in the story of Naval, we had a hint of David getting a little, a little um, more angry than he might it may, maybe should have been and uh, a little bit rash but other than a few little episodes like that everything that we've seen about him and his character has endeared him to us has made him um, uh, beloved to us and those that have been reading his story are now uh, convinced of his righteousness of his justice um, you know and and his humility and and he seems to be the perfect the perfect leader the one who we would look to to be our leader in this chapter it takes such a dramatic turn in the other direction that it it like it defies belief it almost becomes impossible to to wrap our heads around what we're about to read in chapter 11 the, and the sin of david <coughs> in this chapter is written and and presented by the navi by the by the writer of the navi in a very stark and clear way there's no attempt at mitigating the awful power of this of this terrible deed and it's written clearly um in in such a way that anyone who reads this is just is just astounded with with how low um uh, david had fallen how low he can go how he could be guilty of such a such a terrible terrible deed <coughs> how this could be and why this did not lead to the ultimate demise of david and is the struggle which is going to um stick with us for the rest of our study of david's life and career it almost did ruin his kingship it almost did completely ruin his family and the stain of what occurred of what we're about to read a stain that remains throughout history with the house of David and um, certainly throughout the reign, the future reign of David. So uh, just bear that in mind, and this is what we are going to struggle with. This is what's going to make it difficult. This is what's going to pain, cause pain in our hearts <coughs> as we read the story of David's um, fall from greatness and almost complete fall from greatness. Um, and that's what we're... Uh, about the study <coughs> and actually before I continue I do want to also point out that 
um, one of the questions that we're going to be asking ourselves is how could somebody like David do this? How could he fall into this trap? Uh, while I'm not going to, of course, answer that question completely, but we're all familiar with stories where a person that we've known, that we've looked up to, that we've admired, that we've admired for their achievements, for their hard work, for their you know many positive qualities and attributes, <coughs> and then we find out that they were guilty of a crime that's unspeakable, guilty of, of, of abuse, but guilty of a crime, abuse of power, whether it's a financial crime, a sexual crime. These things happen all the time. <coughs> and, um, <coughs> and there's no really good, solid answer for how they can happen. But the fact that they do happen is clear. The fact that it could happen is clear, and the fact that it could happen even to a person as great as David is what is being demonstrated in this chapter and is something that we need to take with us for a lesson. It is possible, no matter how great and wonderful a leader is, to fall to this depth. So So it was at the time when the year uh, was changing, the, when the, the seasons of the year were changing, the eight tzaytam lachim, to the time when the kings would go out, um, by, uh, in other words, go out to battle. So apparently, like winter is over, it's entering the season when it's it's um when you can go out and fight and not have to worry about the weather. So right now, remember we le- where we left at the end of the last chapter, Amon was uh, not yet conquered, <coughs> but because uh, they had retreated to within the city, they were their armies were still extant. Aram, who was there, um ally had been defeated in battle and what was left was to conquer the Ammonites um, and to subdue them because they were they were now a sworn enemy so <coughs> David sent Yoav that's his trusty general and his servants <coughs> and all of the people of Israel <coughs> and in context of the last chapter all of the people of Israel reminds us that he wasn't just sending the, you know, a, a, one battalion or one uh, regiment or one division. He was sending the entirety of the might of the army of the people of Israel. Vayashchitu at bnei Ammon, and they and they went and devastated. They destroyed uh, the people of Ammon in battle. Vayatsuru al Raba, and they laid siege to the city of Raba, the city of Raba, which is the capital of Ammon. V'david Yoshev b'Yerushalayim. These words are very uh, important. And David was stayed in Jerusalem. The verse is deliberately emphasizing this as the intro to what happened. David did not accompany his troops in battle. We saw last time David did not accompany his troops in battle. They got into trouble, and then he led the soldiers in to uh, the rest of everyone in to. Um, to save them, which was successful in the end. But David should have learned his lesson that he should go and lead the troops himself. That was where he belonged. That was who he was. That's how he got to where he is, not by having other people do the work for him while he stays in the lap of luxury, uh, but rather he went out with them. Here he chose not to do that, which was the crucial flaw that led to what is about to happen. And it was in the evening time. David And David came up from his place where he was um, uh, resting from his bed. He was so here we have the image. He's he's resting in the middle of the daytime, 
and then he gets up from his bed as the evening comes. So it's it's just portraying someone who's just lazing around in bed in his nice beautiful castle or, or his nice beautiful um you know home while uh you know you know his men are out at war. So he went up to the roof of the king's house. Vayar and he saw Isha Rochetzet, he saw a woman washing Me'al Hagog from the from his vantage point on the roof. He was able to see her bathing. Um and she was a beautiful, very, very beautiful woman. So here he sees her washing, or presumably she was not completely clothed, and, and uh, this is the time right before the evening, uh, which would be the appropriate time where a woman who is um going to immerse herself in the mikvah is now washing cleaning herself which is what she was doing and we'll see in later verse that this was indeed the night for her to go to the mikvah which she did which we'll see in a minute and david sent messenger and he inquired about this woman he said who is this woman and he reported meaning whoever it was that he sent it's not relevant to the story so the person isn't named Halozot Batsheva, this woman is Batsheva, Batsheva, Bat Eliam, the daughter of Eliam, Eshet Uriah Hachiti, and she is the wife of Uriah Hachiti, Uriah the Hittite. So she was identified as a married woman, uh, the daughter of Uriah, who we'll find out soon is a officer in David's army. David then sent messengers to bring her into the king's palace, the king's home. Batavoi love and she came to him by Ishgaviman, he laid with her. It doesn't specify exactly what the circumstances did he force her or not. One would assume that coming into the king's house, she obviously didn't feel like she had any choice in this matter. So we're not the the verse presents it in such a way that not putting any blame on her, it is all on him, on him doing this action, this terrible action of forcibly taking a woman who is married into his home. And she was mitkadeshes. She had already went to the mikvah from her impurity after her period was over. So she was now, at, so this the, the verse is now explicitly placing this in context, the bathing in context. So here she is, a an observant uh, woman doing the laws of, uh, that the Torah commands her to maintain her ritual purity, went to the mikvah like she should, is giving us a contrast. At the same time, David is acting in such a terrible way while she is acting like such a um, pious woman. And after this event, after sleeping with the king, she went back home. And she became pregnant from this, this uh, episode. And she sent a messenger. David, and she gave this message Vatomer, and she said, I am pregnant. Now remember, she's not supposed to be getting pregnant when her husband is away at war. <coughs> so David So David had a plan how he might be able to get away with this. He sent a message to Yoav. Yoav is the general leading the people at war. <coughs> send back to me Uriahiti. Send the soldier, this officer. Back to me. <coughs> One would assume that at this point, Yoav would not think this being suspicious. He's probably asking for one of the officers to come back. Maybe it seemed a little odd that he asked by name, but maybe they, maybe for some reason he wanted specifically Uriah, some reason. Uh, so Yoav did as instructed and sent Uriah back to David. 
presuming probably something along the lines. You know, obviously this isn't written in the verse, but this is something that kind of one would imagine that um, Yoav would think, okay, so Uriah is going back to report to the king about the progress of the battle. So Vayavo Uriah Elav, Uriah came to the king, Vayish al David lishlom Yoav lishlom ha'am. And sure enough, David asked Uriah, how is Yoav doing? How is the nation, meaning how is the army doing? How is the war coming along? And Uriah obviously gave his report, but since that's not really uh, uh, an important part of the story at this point, the Torah doesn't, uh, the, the verses don't describe exactly what uh, Uriah answered, because that's not the important issue here. So, Vayomer David Uriah. So, David said to Uriah, Raid Levetcha, go to your house, Lecha, and go wash off your feet, go home, take, a, take some leave time, take it easy. So, Uriah left the house of the king. Masas Hamelach, and um, a uh, after him came a a present from the king, some kind of offering. So the king is treating him well. You know, you know, take take some leave time, go home. And clearly, what the king is intending here is once Uriah goes home at this time. So later on, you know, nine months later, when uh, Bathsheba has a child, it will be assumed that that happened because Uriah came home from battle. And uh, and all will be good, right? He'll have easily covered up his 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 crime, his sin. It'll be just between him and Bathsheba. Bathsheba, of course, uh, David is assuming she won't uh, reveal the, the 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 true father, and everyone will assume Uriah went home and slept with his wife, and here they have a legitimate child. So Vayishkav Uriah, however, Uriah would not hear of this. He's he's he did not go home. He stayed Pesach Beis Hamelach. He said he stayed at the king's court. He stayed at the opening of the, the doorway. This is like the king's court, the, 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 um, the entrance of the royal palace. At Kol Avdei Adonav, along with all the other servants of his master, the king, so he did not go home. So they said to David, saying, because remember David had sent a procession with him of, of a gift, probably some nice food to eat at home, some wine, something to, to uh, spice up the atmosphere so Uriah would sleep with his wife. But they came home and said, no. They came back to David and said, no, he didn't go. Lo yarad Uriel Beitor, Uriah did not go home. Vayomer David el Uriah. So David then asked Uriah, whether he asked him directly or asked through a messenger, Halomi boy, you're coming from a long road. You just traveled from war all the way from Amon. Why don't you go home and sleep in your own bed in a comfortable place tonight? So Vayomer Uriah, and this verse really, really sums up the character of this man, which, which is the verses here are being very clear to explain to us just what kind of person this person was and just how low it was what David is doing, right, to someone to the, uh, you know, who is such a loyal and such a, an honorable person. So David says, Ha'aron, the ark, the Israel and the people of Israel, the Judah and the people of Judah. So again, here you have, um, just as a side point, the the uh, the split between the people of Israel and the people of Judah is already it's it, it's established already. These two um, these two uh, uh, almost uh, ethnic groups, really, but not really, but two two um, uh, you know a separate uh, grouping of the Israelites and the Judahites, which unfortunately now now fortunately they're united under David's reign, but later on they will eventually split. <coughs> 
Yoshvim Basukos, they are residing, but all those people and the ark which was brought out to battle with them, they are residing in, in, in temporary tents and, and huts. Vadoni Yoav, right? And my master Yoav, the general, Adoni, and all the servants of my master, Alpneasodechonim, they are camped out in the fields, in the battlefields. And I should go home so I could eat and drink a nice meal and lie with my wife. Chayecha by your life, v'chei nafshecha, and by the the by by the by your very life, your soul's the life of your soul in Mesas that I should ever do something like that. That's not the kind of soldier I am. My buddies are out at war. I'm not going to come home and live the good life. And the 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 stark contrast and the irony of how he says this to David, who himself is now lying in his own palace. Uh, in his fancy bed, sleeping in the middle of the afternoon, and then sleeping with someone else's wife while his troops are in battle. But Oria would not hear from anything like that. Oria would not act that that kind of a way. But the the verses are really laying it in over here to really portray clearly just how low David had sunk, just how how bad his mistake was. Vayomer David el Oria. So David said to Uriah, Shave Baze Gam Hayom. So then stay another day. David's now hoping that his ploy would work. Maybe, well, maybe he'll hold out another day and maybe he'll go home. Maybe he won't be able to hold back. Tomorrow I'll send you. So Uriah stayed in Yerushalayim in the capital on that day and the next day. David. And then David called him in. And he figured, I'll try another plan. Right? Maybe if I get him drunk enough, right, he'll go home. So Vayesh, he gave him to drink, Vayeshakareyu, and he pumped him up with drink. He drank, he endrunked him, is kind of how the best way to tell Vayeshakareyu. He endrunk, he endrunkized him. I don't know if this is a good English, like he plied him with drink to make him drunk. Vayetsevo Erev, However, despite being drunk, he still went to lie down in his place with the servants of the king, and still did not go home. So David's attempt, uh, his first attempt didn't work. His second attempt of giving him an extra day. Now he tried to get him drunk. It still didn't work. Now David is seeing that this, this, this plan is, is just not happening. So it happened in the morning. David had a new plan how to try to get away for his terrible deed that he had done. He wrote a, 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 a note to, that's directed to Yoav, to the general. <coughs> he sent that note in the hands of Uriah to, uh, to deliver uh, to Yoav. <coughs> and what was written in this note was as follows. Havu et Uriah I want you to place Uriah in front of the battle when the battle gets strong. To put him on the front lines in the heat of the of the of the toughest battle, and then when, once he's placed there, fighting against the enemies, Vishav Acharov, leave him alone, abandon him to face the enemy by himself, Vinikava Mace, so that he gets struck down and killed. Now Yoav, at this point, when he receives that, um, we will uh, actually. I think this is a good point to stop. Uh, because it's a long chapter. It's a painful chapter. Unfortunately, uh, this chapter is painful, and it was written and meant to be painful to describe an extremely painful episode that will have lasting painful repercussions. 
Thank you for studying this together, this part uh, 11a. Looking forward to studying 11b together and uh, further studying the second book of Samuel together uh, until we finish it. Thank you.